And we've been uh, studying for a number of weeks on um, uh, landmarks and boundaries. It's been a very fruitful study. Uh, it's been very uh, enlightening, and it's also been a real joy to uh, prepare this. Uh, there was a uh, uh, number of uh, illustrations that we used that uh, lets us understand that all of life is lived within and the reference marks of our entire lives depend upon uh, certain boundaries and certain uh, uh, substantial uh, and uh, continuing reference points. Uh, we talked about uh, the, the land. You can go out in uh, the land around Prescott, you'll find uh, right out in the middle of nowhere, you'll find a uh, pipe with a brass cap on it. It'll have uh, latitude, longitude, so many degrees. And the whole land has been surveyed off, seems to me, like in sections. Uh, this whole country is filled with mining claims. Uh, when I was a boy out hunting, uh, you, uh, you would very frequently run onto a pile of rocks. Uh, and uh, inside it would be a tin can with somebody's name and, uh, uh, and a claim. To that, sometimes uh, digging, sometimes not, and uh, uh, and so uh, uh, these were uh, these were the idea behind uh, reference points that marked out territorial rights. And so the idea is there. We talked about uh, aircraft flying; they have to fly within certain uh, uh, air space and certain uh, boundaries. Uh, we talked about driving. We talked about uh, uh, countries and etc. And so uh, the idea is uh, six times used in the Old Testament with great emphasis that we will not remove or destroy or do away with these landmarks. And it goes beyond simply a statement, uh, and it reaches back into the inheritance or what the fathers have said and uh, has a great spiritual uh, uh, ramifications. And so in Proverbs 22, 28, I want somebody to read that for me, if they will, out loud. Nick's going to read that for me out loud. And you'll find this statement in uh, some uh, small variations, I think, six times in the Bible. Nick, if you read that out loud for me. Do not remove the ancient landmarks which your fathers have set. Now, uh, I was reading the paper this morning, and so I was, uh, I was uh, interested because the scripture uh, came to me uh, about the... Uh, uh, the uh, uh, boundaries of the ocean and uh, the scripture says that there is a boundary in the ocean that God has set and uh, and these are dependable these normally uh, uh, nothing will go beyond it but periodically uh, people want to uh, push the envelope a little and so they uh, uh, they go up to the ocean and they build uh, uh, right next to the ocean and there's an article in the Courier today down in Encinitas, uh, California where houses are falling into the ocean because they got too close to the boundary. And this is very common uh, in life, is, is people want to get right to the boundary. No, not over, but right to the boundary. They want to push the envelope. And, uh, and so uh, you get in trouble if you do that. And this is true uh, with the Christian life. And so these are boundaries uh, you can step over, you can ignore. There's landmarks that you can violate by your own self-will. But all of life has reference marks and has boundaries and reference points and uh, and we want to deal with one of these this morning we've been dealing with a number of these we dealt with assembly we dealt with tithing we dealt with the sabbath we dealt with a number of things and this morning i want to deal with preaching 
I want someone to read, uh, pre, uh, read uh, for me 1 Corinthians 1, 21. Somebody like to get that for me. So, uh, Dennis will get that. And just as you're getting that, I want to get uh, uh, two more scriptures. Esther 8, 12 through 14 is Brian. Esther 3, 13, Samantha. I want Isaiah 52, 7. Somebody get that for me. will be Pete. I want Isaiah 61, 1. Uh, it's no tossing. So we'll, uh, we'll deal with those, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, then we're going to come back to that. If you read uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 21 is a very interesting statement uh, that is far more profound than it appears just on the reading of it. For since in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached, King James says, through preaching, Others uh, uh, simply use the message, but the idea there is the uh, message preached is the hinge pin or is the reference point of God uh, in the New Testament in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, we live in a very interesting uh, generation. I just read this last night. Uh, let me just share this with you. It says, nothing is more characteristic of evangelical church meetings at the end of the 20th century than their orientation to the consumer, especially the unchurched one. Churches decide what their market niche is, and they study their target audience. They design their service to appeal to their customers. Does he not want to be preached to? Then share with him. Is he sensitive about what used to be called sin? Then empathize, empathize with him about his needs, his brokenness, his hurts. Does he not go to church to be put on a guilt trip? Never read God's law or talk about responsibility, accountability, or judgment. Is he interested in religion mainly for what it can do for him? Give him an upbeat talk about how Christ can enrich his life. Because we're afraid to offend and so want to help, we baptize pop psychology with a Bible verse or two rather than proclaim the timeless gospel, which alone is the power of God unto salvation. So I want to deal with you this morning about preaching, and I want to lay a little uh, Bible foundation because the great emphasis, especially in charismatic circles today, is not on the preaching, but it's on the praise and the worship and whatever other gymnastics that they're going to work in there, uh, run around dog collars, bark, uh, walk like chickens, or, uh, or uh, dance, or whatever else they're going to do. And the reason they do this is that they have the feeling that the real work, the real work that's done in the human personality and soul is not done through preaching, it's done through praise or worship or some kind of liturgy that they're going through, and it takes place in an experience of worship. So I want to go back with you a little bit uh, in the Scripture, and uh, we have some history that will clarify for us what preaching really is, and it's kingdom communication. Esther 8, 12 through 14. Back to the book of Esther. All right, here's King Azurius, and uh, you know the story, uh, uh, Haman... Uh, has uh, uh, has achieved a document to uh, eradicate all the Jews, the people of God. So uh, he's got a vast kingdom. This is the uh, uh, this is the uh, kingdom of Babylon. Uh, he uh, he has uh, uh, the Jewish captivity that came have come out of Israel. They've been taken in. They've been living there, and so uh, uh, Haman who is a descendant of Agag the Thag, uh, rises up and he decides that he's going to eradicate the people of God. 
So he achieves a decree. Now this decree, they don't have any telephones, they don't have any, uh, they don't have any uh, uh, communications of any kind. So it depends on communicating the message. That's important. So go ahead, Brian. All right, here are the couriers. Now we have communication. This is, uh, I'm moving a little ahead of the story. They've, uh, uh, God has turned this through uh, Queen Esther. They've got a decree that, uh, that uh, uh, supersedes this. And uh, they send it through couriers. Your King James will say posts, I believe. And uh, some of the others will, the, the word is posts. Go ahead, Brian. All right, the decree was uh, issued, was given to the couriers. Esther 3.13 gives us the original decree. The letters were sent by couriers or posts into all the king's provinces. Okay, here's, uh, here's how the, the message of the kingdom. The kingdom had to be held together. Uh, yeah, and nobody knows exactly what the rules or regulations are. Nobody knows what the issues are. And so they had people that carried the messages. As they carried these, they were, these were posts or these were couriers. And Jacinius makes a statement about this. He says the horsemen whose business it was to carry the royal mandates to the provinces. Now, this gives us some background of understanding what preaching is. Uh, preaching is a, is a proclaimer. A preacher is a proclaimer, or he's called a herald, uh, is uh, the terminology that's used in the Bible. Isaiah 52, verse 7. Who did I give that to? All right, here's Isaiah the prophet. He reaches now into uh, the kingdom of God. And he says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that brings the message of peace or good tidings of glad things uh, and publishes this. All right, catch that word, publishes this, because this is going to give us the root uh, of preaching. Isaiah 61, verse 1. All right, remember, we're dealing with important messages, kingdom business, and this is where this roots back into. And I want uh, several more scriptures. I want to go my right, Nahum, chapter 1, verse 15, Nahum. Uh, Michael, get that. Jonah 3, 1 through 3. Somebody help us. Uh, David, Jonah 3, 1 through 3. I want Second Peter 2, verse 5. Uh, 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 Herman. I want uh, Ecclesiastes 1, 1 and 2, right in this section right here. Uh, Dennis will get that for me. And so uh, here we have uh, this, uh, this evolvement of human uh, population, the difficulty of communication and and uh, how kingdoms or societies are held together and uh, we move from the post to the couriers to the heralds and uh, this is rooted in uh, in history and also in the bible nahum 1 verse 15 all right here again we have that statement that's very similar to isaiah 50 uh, 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 57 uh, uh, 52, rather, verse 7, and uh, we have that repeated again. Jonah 3, verses 1 through 3. All right, here God says to Jonah, I want you to rise, go into uh, Nineveh, that wicked city, and I want you to preach. It's very important that you see that, because you're going to see a pattern, and it's very crucial you understand this in the generation in which we live, because preachers are becoming a bad word. We have a generation that said, don't preach to me. And the reason they say don't preach to me is that preaching is a very peculiar facet of communication. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Jonah went there. If you want to uh, do a little, uh, little, a 
little uh, thought about this. Jonah didn't go in and said, you know what, I'm going to dialogue with you folks. What do you think about this? Do you think this is fair? God's going to kill you all. That's, that doesn't fit in with what, what preaching is. Preaching is a declaration or a proclamation or a heralding of a message that comes from a king. That's the root of it. Okay, we have Second uh, Peter 2, verse 5. Here Peter reaches back to the book of Genesis, and as he reaches back there, he, uh, he talks about Noah and says, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Then we have uh, Ecclesiastes 1, 1 and 2. Okay, here's uh, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is known as the preacher. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, he puts forth all these uh, propositions, etc., etc., which we won't go into. But the idea is there, a proclaimer or a herald. If you get into the, uh, 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 the technical definition, you look in your concordances, you look in your uh, uh, definitions of these, these words, preach, preacher, and preaching, you'll find uh, that that is a narrow uh, definition of it is a proclaimer, or literally, it is a herald. Uh, in, in, in the time in, in which we're reading these, are most often runners. Uh, they carried the message in the business of the kingdom at great risk and effort. They brought tidings. But when it came down to God's message, then uh, they were those who went forth and proclaimed what it was that God uh, had decreed. So we have preach, preacher, and preachers. Now, looking back just a little, we have the prophets, and we find the foundation of what this is really going to involve. I want First Kings 21, 17 through 19 over on my left-hand side. Louis Polino, I want First Kings 13, 1 through 3. Is it uh, Joel? Uh, Joel? And uh, if you get that for me, uh, then we want to think about that. All right, the prophets then give us uh, some kind of inclination of what this is going to involve, uh, and uh, it'll, it'll bring out uh, uh, the essence of what preaching really is all about. Uh, preaching is not uh, elocution. It's not giving a good speech. It's not miscellaneous thoughts on a religious subject. It's not a discourse. It is not, uh, it's not a dialogue. It's not a discussion. It's not any of those things. Preaching is heralding what God has said. That's what it is involving. And uh, genuine preaching, this is what it is. Uh, Louis Polino. 1 Kings 21, 17-19. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. You rise and go down to meet Ahab, the king of Israel. He's in Nabal's vineyard. And you speak to him, and what you're going to declare to him is, Thus says the Lord. You've murdered Naboth, you've taken possession. I'm going to judge you, and in the very place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, they're going to lick your blood. Okay, that was fulfilled right to the letter. Uh, if you remember uh, that uh, uh, Ahab uh, was shot, uh, a man drew a bow at a venture. Uh, it pierced through his armor, found its way there. He bleeds uh, in the chariot. And they have to clean the chariot out. They, they, they wash it in the pool of Jezreel. And this prophecy was fulfilled uh, to the minute detail. First Kings 13, 1 through 3. Behold, a man of God uh, of Judah uh, went to Bethel by the word of the Lord. Jeroboam's there. He's established this altar so people won't go to church up in Jerusalem. He wants them down there because he wants to keep a hold of the kingdom. There's two altars. One was in Bethel. One was in Dan. On both of those, he established golden calves. And he's involved in this right now. Go ahead. 
Okay, gave a, a, a he speaks to the altars. Uh, the whole religious system that's involved there calls a child by name. It's not born yet. Go ahead. He's going to sacrifice the priests that are involved in this uh, uh, right on this altar. And men's bones are going to be burned on it. He said, "Here's the sign that God's going to give you. Uh, the, this, uh, the altar is going to split, and on the same day, it split right in two before uh, Jer- uh, uh, Jeroboam's eyes." So. Uh, sometimes this is in private gathering, but the essence of this is the word of the Lord and is a public uh, a proclamation. Not a dialogue, it's not a proclamation, it's not a debate, it's not an oration. It's a declaration. Preach, preacher, and preaching is at the root of this. And in the New Testament, we see two distinctives. I want uh, in this section right here, Matthew 4.23, uh, Stephanie, uh, Matthew 26.55, Samantha, I want Romans 12, 7. Uh, Brian, I want 1 Timothy 2, 7. Uh, who is it? Uh, Sean, if you get that for me. So there's two uh, Greek words in the New Testament. One of these words is for teach, and one of these is for preach. They're totally different words. One is didache. This is the word for teaching. One is charisma. This is for preaching. Mark, Matthew 4:23. Read that out loud for me. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Two different things he's doing. And healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. Matthew 26, 55. I sat daily with you teaching in the temple. Okay? Note that down. Romans 12, verse 7. Here's here's, uh, uh, Paul. He's laying out. And he is talking about ministry, and he specifically uh, uses this word and talks about teaching. First Timothy two seven. Right here, you'll find two uh, different facets of ministry, and then we have preach. I want Mark uh, one verse four in this section right here. Somebody get that for us. Uh, which is Pete? I want Matthew three one. Uh, Noel, I want Luke three two and three. Uh, Nick. This has to do with preaching. Mark 1, verse 4. John came baptizing and preaching a baptism of repentance in the wilderness. Matthew 3, 1. John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Luke 3, 2 and 3. The word of God came to John the Baptist in the wilderness. God moved upon him, had a revelation from God. He had a message, and he preached that message and so there are two distinctive elements and facets of Bible ministry. One's teaching and one is preaching. Right now, I'm teaching. I will be preaching in a bit. There's two totally different elements. There's to- two totally different dynamics. And uh, we need to see that to understand uh, the crucial element of where our world is and where it's headed. John 8, 2. I want to write in this section here. Somebody help me. Is uh, Adam, John 8, 2. Acts 4, 2. Uh, this is uh, Bob, and I want 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and 29, Twister, if you'll get that for me. John 8, verse 2. He sat down and taught them. Uh, Acts 4, verse 2. They taught the people, and they preached the resurrection of the dead. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and 29. Here's, here's uh, uh, the apostle. He's writing. He's, he's specifying and designated different offices. Go ahead. Okay, here's a, a distinction. I want to open it right there and, uh, and, uh, uh, and field questions. So we're talking about a landmark. 
We're talking about something that's a reference point and be a reference point in your mind. You see, the church world has gone insane as we're sitting right here. I'm, I'm talking stark raving mad. Now, I've pastored uh, how many years? I don't know how many years, forever. And, uh, I want to, and I want to tell you that I've seen a lot of things, but the church world has gone stark raving mad. When you start uh, asking sinners what they want uh, for a church, and then you're, gonna, you're going to tailor that church uh, to cater to their needs, uh, you're, you're starting a cafeteria, not a church. That's not what a church is. You say, well, we've got a lot of people. So what? The Pope has a million. You're small potatoes. He can gather a million any place he wants to go. Right? But that doesn't make it a church. Questions? All right, Pete. All right, this is the, this is the, uh, the point that I want to make this morning, is that God has ordained that that's how the gospel is going to be communicated. We, we witness. Uh, we all do this. We, uh, we teach. Uh, we have Bible studies. We'll discuss. But that's not what preaching is. And the interesting thing is that God has around this facility, around this element, he has brought a focus and a focal point, and, and that word is used, it is the foolishness of preaching that God has used, and uh, we could go off in several different directions, uh, but it's a, it is a crucial element, Pete, and, uh, and I want to tell you where that's lacking, it isn't very long till you see the church is going off into left field. Yeah, what, what, does the world, what does the world focus on right now? What is the main element the world's focusing on? What? Entertainment. You've got it. Preaching is not entertainment. But the world is focusing on entertainment. We have, uh, this whole generation has grown up by entertainment. They demand entertainment. And this has moved into the church world. And where there's not the entertainment then you find people, they're looking for something else. They don't, they don't want to be preached to. They want to be entertained. They want to, be, they want to feel good. Right? Preaching requires something totally different. Uh, it requires that thus saith the Lord. And uh, it also requires uh, to, to, to be successful. It, uh, it, uh, it requires some dynamics that are observable and transformation of character, which you won't get in entertainment. That's because that's why we were there. So I had a man that came to it, and, uh, and he's, uh, he's talking to me, and he said, I've never heard you speak before. He said, uh, uh, you're a very motivational speaker, <laughs> which means he was convicted, and he should have answered the altar call. <laughs> very good, Mike. Uh, Michelle, you'll see that over and over again. Even in cities, you'll see it. If, if, if those of you who've been in the, uh, uh, in the courthouse plaza in the Monday night uh, program, there's something spiritual transpires there. I mean, we've done several programs, nobody's saved, but there's a dimension there that's established that nothing else establishes, and that's the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a dynamic. Uh, Michael? Yeah, why? is because uh, we, we established years ago. You know, I've done formal weddings. You all know that. <laughs> And I'm, I'm dying. These are sinners. These are sinners out there trying to be religious. And I just want to gag. Yeah, he was convicted. And so, uh, and so uh, we got into this by accident. I mean, I, I, I've done the weddings. I did. Just, I agonize. Is here, here you're representing the gospel. And uh, they're going, 
you know, they want to get out of here. They don't want any scripture read. They don't want anything. And so uh, by accident, uh, we, we're reaching uh, uh, these uh, young people. They ain't got any money. They, they, I've, I've given money for they even get the license and wedding ring so they get married. And uh, as uh, Hank Houghton said, and I didn't get to him, I want that money back for those rings too. <laughs> and so, uh, and so, uh, <laughs> and so uh, we uh, had a couple that wanted to get married. And uh, I said, okay, yeah, so that's, that's great. And so they said, we want to get married in, in, in the service. Could we get married in the service? I said, why not? So, uh, uh, you know, he's dressed in, I think, in Levi's. Uh, she's uh, just a plain dress. And we had a Jesus people wedding. And it felt so good. I mean, it was wonderful. And, uh, and the lights went on in my head. I said, ding, that's the way to have weddings. It means something. That's a Christian wedding and so we established that in our church and uh, it spread around the world uh, we've gone into cultures you go into australia i'm talking they'd want to fist fight you in the aisles uh, they hated what we do uh, but the couples wanted that and 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 you see there's two things that families manipulate one is weddings and one is funerals now, if you're a pastor you might as well brace because it's a it's a dirty cat fight both families want different things, and they're demanding this. But what a wonderful thing when you can just say to the young couple, hey, you know what, this is our scene. We set the boundaries. We set the guidelines. This is what we're going to do. And they do that, and they're relieved. They don't have a million dollars worth of expense. And so now uh, it's, uh, it's beginning to be, as you see, well, let's see who can outdo who. And so I had to some years ago say, no, one witness on each side. We don't want this whole retinue that you're going to spend a million dollars for tuxedos. We want one on each side. That's all you can have and no more. And, uh, and I even had my family that got mad at me over that with my granddaughter. Why does it have to be? Because that's the way it's going to be. I'm sick and tired of this. And so, uh, and so uh, but now you see that they're, they're, some of the pastors are getting smarter than I am. And they're having them on Saturday. And uh, we had one pastor. He decided he going to have them on Saturday. Had a reception. And one of his uh, prized converts got drunk. Drunker than a skunk. I said, that's why we have Jesus' people's wedding, son. Right? Okay. And so uh, this makes it very simple. And so uh, uh, that's why we do that. And so we discovered a number of times, there's people sitting right here who are saved in weddings. And, and if nothing else, it helps the young couple establish the boundaries where sexually lewd and explicit uh, toasts are not given that embarrass every Christian that's there. And events take place that Christians can't stomach. It puts the guidelines on it and helps the young couple to establish so that the relatives don't come in and pressure them into something that they don't want to do. And so, and preaching is one of the wonderful parts of that. And it gets us, we get to preach about fornication, we get to preach about adultery, we get to preach about all kinds of things, and it is just very fitting on a wedding day. Okay, we stirred everybody up. Mark Olson. It's a wonderful blessing for the couple, I want to tell you. You'll get the odd ones, they want, you know, they want to some gymnastics involved in it, but, uh, but uh, generally it's a tremendous blessing, has been a blessing for a young couple. That's why we did it. It's uh, Don Schultz. And so uh, you don't have to do it that way, but if you want me to do it, that's how we do it. Uh, Mike? Yes, there's an anointing in preaching, Mike. Is this what you're saying? For healing? Yes, there's an anointing that goes with preaching. Is, uh, if you're a genuine preacher, 
uh, you're not an elocutionist. You're not, a, uh, you're not an orator. You're a preacher. Preacher means that you're anointed. If you're not anointed, you've got no business being in the pulpit. You need to be selling cars somewhere. Uh, who is it that's... Sonny. Uh, uh, to reference points, what she's saying is that, uh, uh, that she was there when street preaching was done there. And even years later... Uh, not saved, she walked by it, but she hurried real because she felt convicted. She walked past that spot because of the reference point. Is this what you're saying? Okay, I, I, I'm not sure that there was any holy aura that was there, <laughs> but the memory was there. And the reference point back to where the gospel was preached. Who is it, uh, uh, Ch Chuck Richardson? Hmm? Yeah, without preaching, almost any kind of activity on earth would be justified as being uh, the action of the Holy Spirit. We put a perimeter, we put a landmark, we put a boundary to put a reference point. All right, before we get lost, we're going to come back to this and for anything you want to say. And so uh, we want to talk about the landmark of gospel uh, preaching. And you'll notice that there's one truth that's very potent, uh, and the kingdom of God is by proclamation. I want in this section, Luke 4, 16 through 20. Uh, Pete, if you get that for me. Dennis, will you get Acts 2, 14? I want Acts 9, verse 20. Uh, Sean, I want Acts 8, 25. Uh, it's David. I want Acts 13, verse 5, is uh, uh, Tony. All right. Kingdom of God is by proclamation. Now, stay with me on the dynamic here. This, there's something far more profound than just a surface uh, statement here. And uh, here's the here's the biblical truth. Luke 4, uh, Luke 4 16 through 20. And, and go read the next verse. Okay, here's, uh, here's the initiation. This is the initiation of the kingdom of God uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ in, in, the, in the synagogue of, of Nazareth. He reads this tremendous statement in Isaiah 61, uh, verses uh, 1 and 2. Uh, so the rabbis sat down to teach, but Jesus stood up to preach. We'll find this is also true on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2, verse 14. Uh, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a, a dramatic outpouring transpiring. Uh, they're uh, prophesying. They're speaking in tongues. Uh, there's cloven tongues like as a fire that's set upon each of them. This is a, this is a dramatic moment. Uh, of the travelers that are there who speak different languages are hearing them uh, speaking in tongues. And some of them are either speaking or they're hearing them, whichever it may be. In, uh, in their own language, but when it comes time to bring a focus, what happens? Peter stands up to preach. Very important that you see that. Now it's time to make the application. Now it's time to drive home the truth that's been involved. Now it's time for God to bring the foolishness of preaching to a focal point, and Peter stands up and preaches. Acts 9, verse 20. He preached... Christ in the synagogues. He went in uh, to proselytes, what he went in for, and he preached Christ. Acts 8, 25. And here we, they're going, they're heralds, they're going from place to place preaching the gospel. Acts 13, verse 5. Okay, we want to look again just for a moment at the, at the Great Commission, uh, or the commission rather, Jesus gives to his disciple. I want in this section, Matthew 10, 7 and 8. Uh, Brian, I want Luke 9, 1 and 2 is Adam. I want Romans 10, 14 through 17 is Adam. I want 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 17 through 21 is Dennis. And so let's look again at the commission. Remember now, uh, we're not dealing with the kingdom of Azurius. 
We're not dealing with some, uh, some uh, pagan society. We're dealing now with the kingdom of God. The king has a message to preach. He's going to communicate this message. How's he going to do this? Uh, and uh, and uh, how's he going to uh, train the disciple? Matthew 10, 7 and 8. And as you go, you preach, you proclaim, and, and you say, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It came with me. I brought it with me. It's arrived right now. Go ahead. Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. You've, given, you've had this message uh, given to you freely. You deliver it. But you're going to preach. And as you preach, you're going to be establishing the kingdom. That's the dimensions you're going to be establishing. Uh, Luke 9, 1 and 2. says, you preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. I was just back uh, Thursday and Friday night in the Bronx, uh, which is uh, Pastor Ron Bennett. It's the hood. And uh, this is uh, this is big city, uh, USA. And I wasn't really that excited about going back because I'd heard that it wasn't a very good response. And so uh, we did a, a little crusade uh, in a park right in the Bronx. And uh, uh, the plane was late. Uh, I stepped off the plane at an hour and 40 minutes for us to get to the uh, the place the crusade is. Uh, it's an, it was one of those agonizing times and moments. And so. Uh, on his cell phone, he said, just keep him singing. We're on our way. Keep him singing. So uh, I gets in, parks in the parking lot, reaches my suit bag, goes on a white shirt, put on a tie by the U-Haul uh, truck that's, uh, that's uh, hauling the equipment, and steps on the platform. I mean, this, is, this, is, this is the best of all worlds, yes. Uh, and I'm looking at this crowd. They had a perimeter set up by chairs. That, uh, there, there were probably uh, 300 or more chairs, maybe 400 chairs plus. It's like any park. There are people that are interested. They're playing music there, and so they're gathered all the way around the fringes. And uh, and I'm I'm figuring, well, these uh, these uh, look like church people to me. And uh, and I preached, and to my astonishment, uh, it looked like the whole park. Their hands went up, and 77 people they got cards on that responded to the altar call. Pray. Prayed for the sick, uh, tremendous miracles. There's so many people to pray for. I couldn't pray for them all. But I ran out of time. I prayed a mass prayer. Several more got healed. Went back the next night, uh, and 105 they got cards on, which was Friday night. And he just uh, he, he sent me a fax this morning and said uh, that uh, there was one Pakistani woman who uh, got healed the, the first night. Uh, had diabetes, she had uh, uh, several other things wrong, she had arthritis and a bunch of stuff, and, uh, and uh, uh, she's a Pakistani. The second night, her husband was back, and he said, I want you to pray for me, I've got diabetes too, but he said, I can't stay for the meeting, I've got a business meeting, and so I uh, run him over the coals, I said, you know, I don't like to pray for people, you just step in, you want me to pray for you, and you go your way. I, I want you to hear the message, he said, I, the, my company I work for, has, uh, I have to keep this appointment. It's a sales appointment, and, uh, and I didn't set it up. I have to keep it. So I said, okay. Uh, so I said, uh, 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 you born again? And uh, he looked blank. And so uh, uh, I said, so where do you go to church? He said, the Catholic Church. So I said, you're not saved then, so I want you to pray with me. And so uh, he said a sinner's prayer with me. I prayed for him, and I saw him leave after I was about halfway in the message for his appointment. But uh, the pastor says, uh, they were back in the services. Now, this is in a park. This is cold turkey evangelism. They came to the service, which is about three blocks around the corner, and brought 15 more Pakistanis with them. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. So this little church has been running 35, and he had 80 people in the service last night. Uh, that's, that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, you go and preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick. I want to tell you, nobody that was there had any, uh, had any doubt that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead because they saw visible miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And that's why they came to that church. They didn't come there because they needed religion. Uh, there's uh, there's uh, Guyanians, Guyanians, I guess is how you pronounce it. There's Africans. There's uh, there's uh, uh, were Indians. They were Indians, yeah. And so uh, I thought there was, I said, Hindu, hey, okay. No, no, Indian, um, uh, Guyana. I said, oh, different kind of Indian. So uh, and so uh, there were uh, there were uh, there were Thai there. I prayed for a lady from Thailand. She wouldn't take off her. I prayed for her first. She didn't get healed. So I said, I want you to take off the the, the jade bracelet. And she wouldn't take it off. I said, I ain't praying for you then. Get off the platform. And so uh, she came back a little bit later and said, I want to take it off now. And so, uh, and, and with great agony, we got it off of her because she's had it since she's a little girl. Because they, what they do is they is they have the Buddhist priest bless this, you see. And it's a charm. That's what it is. And so we got this off of her. And uh, I uh, prayed for her again instantly. She's healed. She, was, she lights up. Come! I said, praise God. That's what we're doing. It was wonderful. God helped us and confirmed the word. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. God deliver us from uh, religion. Can you say amen? Okay. Tidings of the kingdom is what we're bearing. Romans 10, 14 through 17. How shall they hear... Without a preacher. Now lock your minds in with me. I'm not just talking about church. I'm not talking about a religious assembly. I'm not just talking about gathering together. Uh, preaching is not like any other thing on earth. Take it from me. I know that you've been to church. I know preaching is not like anything else on earth. This is the foundation stone of the church of Jesus Christ. This is what it's built on. And when you vary from that, then is when you get into this insanity of an hour and a half service uh, where they dance, laugh, bark, uh, walk like chickens, uh, all this garbage. That's where you get into that, is when there's no preaching. Okay? How shall they hear without a preacher? Go ahead. How shall they preach unless they are sent? How shall they preach except they're sent? Okay. Here's preaching. is to bring the Word of God. is to bring the King's decree that will establish kingdom dimension. 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 21. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words. It's not slick entertainment is what you're, is, is going to establish the kingdom. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. The Old Testament prophet said, I'll bring to nothing, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise, I'll bring to nothing the wisdom of those uh, who claim themselves to be wiser than God. God has made foolish the wisdom of the world. He's established this. Don't forget it, folks. You're going to have to remember this. If Jesus tarries, the whole Christian world has gone insane. Go ahead. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Preaching is a conversation with God. That's what real preaching is. If you're in a service where there's real preaching, you are not going to go out of there the same. You'll either be mad 
or you'll be glad, one or the other. Because God, through the Holy Spirit, is going to confront you. Nothing else will substitute that. Instructs the mind, stirs the emotions, moves the will. And something's accomplished in preaching that nothing else accomplishes. And this is why this is a reference point. This is a landmark 